What's happening, fam? It's your boy Sherrod, and welcome to another podcast episode of Behind the Grind, powered by Sherrod Speaks. For each episode, I have a conversation. I go behind the scenes to talk to individuals like you and I that are making impact with their influence and making change happen in the places around us. My goal is to encourage, to inspire, to motivate, give you everything that you need, the faith, the fuel, the ammunition, whatever it takes to get you on your journey as you push through and grind through behind the grind. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Grind. I am your host, Sherrod Schuler, and I'm so glad you guys are with me again this week to listen to another podcast conversation, another interview right here on Behind the Grind. Listen, this week I have a very special guest in the grind seat. And listen, we're going to be talking about something that isn't often talked about. Like I said, on the grind, we like to cover all areas of Um, your life, right? We want you to be whole in all aspects, right? So we deal with different topics in all aspects. And this week is no different. We're digging under the hood and we're addressing something that many men struggle with and maybe women too. I'm not really sure, but this topic is really geared to our men Uh, that this topic that I'm mentioning is called porn as others may refer to it as pornography. And the individual that we have in the grind seat has uh, recovered. He has a program. Uh, He talks about this topic and he gives so many different nuggets on ways to overcome it. He has uh, so much support, so much evidence on things to do and the reason why you need to deal with this. Listen, like any other addiction, pornography can uh, throw some things off on your grind, right? You're hustling, you're going after it, you're getting so many results accomplished. We don't want this little dirty secret, right? This little dirty thing to throw something off or cause you not to hit or achieve or be the best version of you, right? We want you to win in all areas. It's not uh, like any other addiction, right? It can have ramifications in your family. You can have ramifications in your business. It could potentially have ramifications in other areas if left unchecked. And so before you can even get to that place, we want to deal with it, talk about this topic and provide some uh, ways uh, for you to overcome this challenge. Or like I said, any other addiction, We want to provide some tips and some resources. And so without further ado, let's get into this conversation with my guy, Frank Rich, right here on Behind the Grind. Let's get it. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Grind. I am your host, Sherrod Schuler. And I'm so glad to be back in the grind seat today. And I've got a special guest today uh, with me. And I have someone special in the grind seat that's going to help us today. And so with that being said, let me jump into a little bit about the guest uh, that I do have in the grind seat today. My guest is a former uh, bodybuilder entrepreneur, a man's health coach, the host of the Superhuman Life podcast. After living with and battling addictions and depression and anxiety for almost 20 years, he is now on a mission to help men who are suffering from the same issues take back control of their lives through the power of faith and fitness. Uh, My guest has helped thousands of men transform their physiques through online coaching platforms where he's provided content, programs, and services to men looking to build more muscle, uh, drop body fat, and build the greatest bodies. He is also the founder and the CEO of Rebuilt Recovery, a company based on the growth-centric, holistic approach to addiction recovery. Rebuilt Recovery provides fitness training for men going through recovery as well as one-on-one coaching for men aiming to break free from porn addiction. His goal is that by being open and transparent with his struggles and having real and raw conversations with others who have overcome adversities, he can, all, he can empower you to face your darkest uh, and take control and ultimately create the life you've always dreamed of uh, on your own through the superhuman life. Without further ado, let me introduce my guest and who I have in the grind seat today, my guest, Frank Rich. Welcome to Behind the Grind. Sherard, uh, good, good to see you, brother. Thank you for, uh, thank you for that intro. And uh... Hopefully, I can live up to uh, to that today. Well, man, I look look forward to uh, talking to you. You know, 
Uh, as we've connected, I was looking forward to having this conversation. I think this is going to be pretty good uh, for those of us that are uh, those that are part of the Behind the Grind family that are on the grind. But there's some topics sometimes that we don't mm-hmm. talk about. And so we're going to talk about that today and just talk about uh, some of the things that you, you've kind of gone through. But before we get into that, let's talk about where are you calling from and, and, and tell us a little bit about what's going on with you right now. Yeah, brother. Great, great, great place to start, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dialing in from, from Tampa, Florida. So bright, sunny, bright Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Um, yeah, I just, just moved, uh, recently. Well, I'm a little bit North of, of Tampa. I, 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 I say Tampa to the listeners, but anybody that is, you know, familiar with the Tampa Bay area, uh, right. I'm in a suburb called Land O'Lakes. Okay. Uh, just moved here, uh, six weeks ago. So I've, I've always been in Tampa, born okay. and raised in Tampa. I was, you know, I was, I was, I was in the city close to the airport. Um, just that city life, man. It's, 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 I'm at the point in my life, man, where I'm ready to slow down a little bit. You know, I'm ready to have a little bit more calm and peace at night and just, you know, not the fire engines and the lights and airplanes flying by my house. So yeah, landing in the the suburbs was a really good move for me about six weeks ago. And I'm just excited. You know, I got this, got this big place now, uh, as you can see behind me, we haven't even set up the office yet. It's literally just a bunch of blank walls. So got a lot of projects, uh, kind of, kind of looking forward to We're, we're starting downstairs, uh, with like the design and decorating and, and eventually we'll get our way back up here uh, up, upstairs. But uh, yeah, so so I'm dialing in from Tampa and uh, just excited about, you know, kind of some new uh, new explorations for me here. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your move. Obviously, you. any move these days uh, is, is definitely a congratulations, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the markets and everything that's going on. And, and, and so to make this move, I'm sure it was the best decision for you. But I definitely can relate to that. Um, I've been in Atlanta, uh, Metro Atlanta area for okay. about two years now, moved from Michigan and uh, I get the concept, you know, I lived in Atlanta for a little while and, and so now we've kind of moved out into the suburbs, uh, less yeah. hustle and bustle, but can still get to the city when ne- when necessary, uh, but really enjoying, uh, you know, the less of the activity and that you can get to it when you can get to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm so blessed, man. You know, we have we have some of the greatest beaches in the world here. Yeah. You know, Clearwater, St. Pete, all that stuff is, you know, 30, 35 minutes away from me. So it's easy to get there. You know, I'm 15, 20 minutes from pretty much anything wow. in Tampa. But in a day, man, like I, you know, there's there's about a half mile stretch before you get to my community. So you turn off one of the main roads and there's just a half mile stretch of wilderness. Mm-hmm. Not a home. Not a car, nothing in sight other than trees and animals. And for me, not that I, I work at home, so I don't have a drive home every day, but that that half mile stretch, man, for me, it's so calming yeah. and so peaceful. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I just want to be here. And then, like I said, I, I can get to Tampa, you know, uh, you know, uh, hop, skip and jump away. A, a but I've, I've settled on it. It's just it's the stage, stage and season of my life that I'm in, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to just kind of settle down a little bit. All right, well, that's that's what's good. I love Tampa. I've been there, and it's a growing place. Mm. Uh, a lot of, you know, so many wonderful places Rapid, in Florida. Rapid, rapid <laughs> growing. But Tampa is really on fire right these days. Yeah, it's uh, exciting also, to see. So let, let's jump into some things today. Um, you know, one of the things as we were reading through your bio, uh, bio uh, I guess I want to start here. We're going to get into some other topics, but it sounds like you were into uh, fitness, and you maybe still currently are into fitness, mm. bodybuilding. Uh, talk a little bit about that. What's that about, and 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 what got you into bodybuilding? Yeah, um, great question, man. It it is still a you know it's a primary part of of my life for these days. It's not about chasing getting as big as I possibly could, which was you know what I was focused on in my my late twenties and, and early thirties, just seeing how big I could potentially get. For me now, it's it's a daily checkbox that I need to check. I need to make sure I do something physical. But I'm actually excited. I just hired a coach uh, last week to help me prep for a marathon, a half marathon. Um, so I'm kind of entering in some new territory on the physical side of things. Cause I've never been an endurance guy. I'm somebody that you know was focused on building muscle. But you know what got me into it, man? I think it's like most men right you know you're you're insecure as a little boy you don't really like the way that you you look you know um i was not obese but you know growing up like i carried a little bit of like an added layer you know i can remember back like shopping you know shopping for school like when i was growing up um i don't know if this is still around but there was a section in jc Penney's that was called husky so you had like the regular clothes and then you had like the fat people clothes but there was this place in the middle 
that I didn't like being a part of. Like I didn't like having to buy my clothes with a tag that said I was husky. Like okay. just something about that I didn't <laughs> like. Um, but I bottled that up, man. So I was definitely a, a shy, insecure child. Um, and now I can, you know, I can speak to like obviously I was consuming pornography back as a teenager. Probably had some some things around it, but I was not comfortable taking my shirt off. And there was actually a point. I think I was thirteen. I spent a summer at my nephew, uh, not my nephew, at my cousin's house. I have a cousin that's right around the same age. He's about a half year older than me. Um, and this was around 12, 13. So this is the age where, you know, boys are beginning to get interested in girls. Um, you know, you're hanging out the pool and stuff. I can remember being at his house, man. It was one of the first times I was around what at the time I would have said were, you know, beautiful girls. Um, so I was 13, you know, they're 14, 15 because my cousin was like a, a year older than me. And I can remember that summer, man, I wouldn't take my shirt off. And I remember how that made me feel because it went from, you're a part of this family to now we got that, you know, we got the Husky kid over sitting on the side of the pool. Let's pick on him. Let's poke at him a little bit. So that really ate, you know, ate away at me. I was an athlete growing up and I was into sports, you know, varsity letter, multiple sports in high school, competed at, you know, moderately high, high level. Um, but when I graduated high school, I moved, I moved home. Um, I left home. I got, you know, I, I was getting ready to go to the University of South Florida. Uh, and that first summer out of high school, man, I, I was like, I'm not ever going to be called Fat Frank again. I'm not ever going to have to buy my clothes from a Husky department. Uh, the people that knew me in high school are not going to recognize me the next time they see me. And this was 18, 19 years old. And that, and, 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 and that first summer, I did a massive transformation. I mean, I was working out six, seven days, seven days a week, sometimes two a day down in the protein shakes, not the healthiest way of doing it. But what it showed me is that when you put in the work, you can produce the transformation. Right. Um, so it, it, it became a love and it became a passion very early in my life. Now the bodybuilding, the competing side of things didn't come for about seven, eight years later. Um, I was working in a gym. We were, you know, we were, we were grand opening some health clubs here in the Tampa Bay area. I was working on the sales side, very successful at what we were doing there. But being around now working in gyms, I started to get around a lot more gym type people, bodybuilders, trainers. Um, and I just, I, 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 I had succeeded in, you know, financially I succeeded in my career at that point, but I was like, I need to, I need to push myself. Like you're training here every day. Like, are you going to take this to the next level? So I signed up for my first bodybuilding show in June of 2009 and I just caught the bug, man. And it, you know, it was a big part of my life for about the next, next decade. Um, never competed at the highest level. You're like, I'm not a pro IFBB. Um, and for anybody that knows bodybuilding, so I'm six foot three, like, and that is not a ideal height for a bodybuilder, um, because the taller you are, the more mass you have to carry. Right. So the shorter guys, because they can, they can pack on more muscle on a smaller frame. They have an advantage in, in bodybuilding. So for me to, to, to be a competitive bodybuilder at the highest level, I would have had to be on stage. Now we're talking like this is sub 4% body fat. I would have been at about 270. 280, which means in the off season, I would have been 340, 350. It's not a healthy thing to, to put your body through that. So I was never really able to push it as far as, you know, some people have. I have a lot of friends that compete at a high level, but that was a story, man, is, you know, I was a shy, insecure kid. Um, I thought that changing the way that I looked would make girls attracted to me. That's not the case. Um, but uh, no, it became a passion, man. And, and now it's become a major part of my life. And I believe the fact that I spent a decade as a bodybuilder for me, when I made the decision to remove pornography out of my life, like a lot of the character that I developed, a lot of the man that I became through bodybuilding is what carried me through my recovery. And that's why it's such a fundamental piece of the work that we do today as well. Okay, wow, interesting story. You know, I have no understanding of bodybuilding, not a bodybuilder at all, but <laughs> so. Well, I, so I wrote an article back in 2018, man, and it was like, are you a bodybuilder okay. is, is what I titled it at. I think most people, when they think bodybuilder, they think of a guy that's in a you know bikini flexing like he's orange <laughs> on, on stage. Right. And that's bodybuilding like in the competitive nature. Okay. I believe anybody that uses physical training and nutrition to change the way their body looks is a bodybuilder. So anybody that's going through a transformation right now, you okay. are a bodybuilder. Okay. Anybody that is working with a weight loss coach, you are a bodybuilder. If you okay. are using external tools, the gym and resistance training paired with a, an intentional nutrition plan, you are building your body. And, and that's how I define bodybuilding. So I think it's a different than a lot of people, but hopefully that opens people up to yeah. like even exploring like, okay, maybe I am a bodybuilder because I don't think it needs to have the negative connotation that it does, right? It's like bodybuilding has always been 
this subculture. And obviously at the highest level it is, right? Some of these guys are weird looking. Uh, why would anybody want to be, you know, 350 pounds with muscles, you know, dropping off of their biceps? So I get that there's an element like people don't understand that side of things. But I think if we could open the conversation up and realize like we should all be bodybuilders. Like I, and as, and as, as a man of faith, right? I think like this is one of the ultimate like ways that we can honor and love God. So he gave us this one body, like, yeah. you know, from the dirt, from the ashes. I, you know, I, I formed you. Well, if we're truly going to honor like this life, we're truly going to respect God in the best possible way we can. Wouldn't it make a lot of sense to dedicate ourselves to building our bodies, utilizing as a tool in a vessel? Now, it doesn't mean like we're not all shaped to become athletes. Sure. Like bodybuilding for somebody could be like, I just want to throw five pounds on. I yeah. want to be a little bit healthier. So yeah, it's, it is a weird kind of subculture, but I think, you know, in that context, like I think everybody can kind of see a little bit of bodybuilding in themselves. I will. I appreciate you sharing that and clearing that up for me. So, you know, in no shape or form have I ever looked at a bodybuilder in a negative kind of way. I, I, I expire, you know, you, you want those muscles and you want those, especially as guys, right? We yeah. want always to have those muscles and, and veins popping out if we can and whatever. The well, case that, that was, yeah, that was, that was what I was saying there, right? Is, is most, most men get into, you know, bodybuilding. I want to get six pack abs. I want to get veiny muscles because I'm going to attract women. Right. And that's not the case, man. You get more guys attentions when you're ripped and shredded than you do than you do oh, females okay. uh, but it's out of a sign of respect like you said right you know i think yeah. guys can see i think guys look at bodybuilders is like and this was something i prided myself on a, a, a lot too is like i could walk into a room and just by my presence like yeah. people knew i was disciplined people yeah. knew i was a hard worker yeah. people knew i was able to set goals and work towards them so i think the physical expression of bodybuilding shows a lot about the character oh, behind yeah. it i agree i totally agree with that Wow. So let's let's talk about that. So you, you mentioned a couple of times the porn pornography. And so let's let's talk talk about that today. What 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 took you down this path? I guess is pornography. Was it something that was uh, taken from your youth and, and kind of stayed with you? Talk us or walk us down that pathway of the porn. And then let's talk about that a little bit. So my 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 journey into pornography is what you're asking. Yes. About. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So, you know, like, like most young boys, like you get introduced to something at an age when you're not yet developed right. to handle it. Um, so a little bit of context here. I'm 30. I'm not sure if I mentioned I'm 30. It'll be 39 at the end of this month. Okay. Um, so it's important, I think, for the conversation to add that in, um, because my introduction to pornography came around six, seven years mm -hmm. old. Um, and it was to, it was to a hardcore magazine like yeah. being a nosy kid like most kids are you're looking at places that you're wow. not supposed to be um i stumbled across you know my dad's stash like underneath wow. the sock drawer right yeah, um, we all have, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we have. At, I mean, our generation have yeah. today. These boys are getting exposed to something completely yeah. different. It's completely in their, different. it's in their pocket, right? It's on their yeah. iPads, in their, in their iPhones. Yeah. Um, but for me, man, you know, the way I try to talk about this is like, hey, no, I didn't know what I didn't know what I was seeing back right. back then. Like, I had no no clue what was actually going on in that magazine. But I knew it made me feel a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. I, like, there was this curiosity component to it. You know, you would see like, you know, you see your sister in a bathing suit or you see the neighbor in a bathing suit you see your mom's flesh it's like those women when i look at them they don't make me feel way but when i see this like this part of this woman why does it make me feel like that inside so i think as a young boy like when you don't know what to do and you don't have somebody to talk to you just revert back to it all the time like let me go see this again let me go see this again so i could i can look back now and see the early you know beginning of of an addiction at six right. seven eight right. years old now if we speed up a little bit we got the internet i believe around 15 16 is when we had like a computer where i had access yeah. to it all the time right. and Sherrod, i'm telling you literally within 60 minutes of having that computer in my bedroom yeah. i found porn on the internet now this is going back in like aol chat room days so you right, had to like right, go into right. a chat room right find a person <laughs> start messaging hey do you have any right. pictures let's do this swap type of thing and then you're downloading them and it takes an hour right. to like download a picture and right. if you're masturbating you're like done masturbating before the videos <laughs> right. even before the image yeah. even completely downloaded um but i share all that man because yeah. i think it's relevant right i think right. you know especially for today's audience like if you right. have kids or if you know you're mentoring young people like realize that they're not having to go look in dad's drawer they're not having to download a, 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 an image for 60 seconds they have an infinite an infinite amount of internet or i'm sorry an infinite amount of porn available to them on the internet oftentimes a click away and many times it's searching for them without them having to search for it um so that was the beginning right now if right. we speed up into my 20s 
started working in the wireless industry at 21, 22 years old. Yep. Um, so we were giving BlackBerry devices. I was one of the first probably 100 people in the world uh, to have the, the color screened BlackBerry. Um, and this, for me, became what the young boys had today. Because right. just like I did with the, the, the computer in my bedroom, having yeah, the computer in my pocket now, yeah. I found port on the phone within 60 minutes of having it. So... I was, you know, I was somewhat financially successful in my in, in my 20s. I had a good life on the exterior. Obviously, the bodybuilding, looking great, the modeling, all these things that, that I was doing. But that became something that at that point, it was already a secret now, right? Because nobody right. knew right. What, I was, what I was consuming. You know, right. working in malls, you know, I'd take a break from the kiosk, take a break from the store to go to the department store, Dillard's, you know, I got these massive bathrooms, very private. You could sit in the, you could sit in the, the handicap stall and nobody even knew that you were there. And you could watch porn literally like while you were at work. Um, so it was something that was with me for, for a very long time. Now, the interesting part, Sherrod, is, you know, I know we're on a faith podcast here. I didn't have any faith in my life growing up. So for me, it wasn't no talk of Jesus or religion or faith or, or anything. Um, and because my introduction to porn was through my dad's uh, stash, it's like, oh, yeah, this is just something like my dad's got it. So I'm supposed to be doing this as well. So I think through my teenage years and through my 20s, like, I didn't think I was doing anything that other guys weren't doing. Now, I wasn't talking about it because it felt awkward and it felt a little uncomfortable but because i knew my dad had a problem with it, i was like oh this just must be something that every guy is doing so for me where i talk to a lot of guys now they're in their 20s and they're like i've been trying to break this thing since i was a teenager i never thought about quitting until i was almost 36 years old um, but it was a massive massive part of my life i mean it created tension in relationships it created fights got to the point where in my last relationship that i was in in 2019 when i quit i'd been caught so many times with it on my phone or on my computer that i just opted up and i said i'm gonna get a second computer it's a secret nobody's gonna know about it nobody's gonna know how, nobody's gonna have the the password to get into it so i was living with a woman in 2019 and i had my i had my my desk set up in my office in the in the closet of the office was a, was just a separate laptop, and it would only come out like when she was leaving. So I knew that I was never going to get caught. But no, brother. I'm, I mean, so I was introduced to it at six. Internet became a thing at fifteen. Became a major problem in my early twenties, and it stuck with me through through my entire life until thirty five, thirty six. Um, you know, I made I made a, a very real decision. And had a very tough conversation with myself and a lot of other people in my life. Um, and that's kind of begin, you know, that, that would be the beginning of the story uh, yeah. that I've been on these last last couple of years. Let me ask you that. Since we, we're going to talk on that. I mean, obviously, you, you kind of describe, you know, your journey in, in this space. It sounds like you were going pretty long. Um, it, it didn't sound like it was impacting your life in any shape or form. It wasn't holding you back from anything. It, it, that doesn't seem like it. And it sounds like everything was going pretty normal. Obviously, when, if you look at it from the exterior standpoint, obviously yeah. you're doing well um, with your bodybuilding. Like you mentioned, money was still there. Everything is going. So yeah. let me let's for our audience and for everybody. What was the reason? What was the the moment that said, "Okay, I need to stop this"? Like, why do I need to take this out of my life? Like, what, what happened? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, man. And, and and let me just add a little bit more to that, right? Because I did paint this picture where it, it appeared like everything was great on the outside. So yeah, sure. great question, right? Like if everything outside, is going amazing, yeah. everything yeah. is going amazing, you're competing on shows, you're winning awards, you're dating beautiful women, you're you're having financial success, you're starting businesses, you got great relationships, you have impact in your community. Yeah, right. externally all that looked looked great on the outside. Right. The problem was is is there was a massive cognitive dissonance going on inside of me. So I was projecting this image while inside, like I'm so insecure of, of who I am. That same young kid that didn't want to take his shirt off at 13 was wow. still living inside of me. Mm -hmm. So the projection through bodybuilding was literally a shield to the world said, Hey, if I build this body, you can't penetrate and you can't hurt me because I'm still hurt inside. So let me just add a little bit of context. Cause you talked about it in my bio, right? Depression, anxiety, all these, you know, all these, all these thoughts. So okay. that was bottling up in the inside and the, and, and, and where that led me, Sherrod is I just accepted that this is who 
I am. So when I look across, you know, my family's, you know, dynamic in the generations of men in my family that have been addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, committing suicide. So this is the lineage that I came from. So I think the way that I was, the way that I was processing this and rationalizing this in real time is I'm from this lineage. So I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to struggle with addiction. So I accepted that as who I was. I took on the victim role. And what I was able to do though, at the same time, because I believe I'm very, like having extreme work ethic and I'm just, sure. you're not going to say me no. So accepting the victimhood, I also said, I'm going to transcend that and I'm going to be successful, which no man in my life had ever accomplished. Like I made more money when I was 21 than anybody in my life had ever made. Anybody in my family had ever made. Wow. So there was, there was this, there was this massive cognitive dissonance. And in reality, I was living two parallel lives. So the moment came where I said, Frank, you're a fraud. You say that this is your life and it's amazing. And from the, from the outside, it looks great. And this is the problem with chasing worldly success, right? Yeah. This is a problem with chasing material success yeah. is underneath that. If you don't have the proper substance, it's just a bottom, bottomless pit. So that's what I was chasing. But I was also not willing to actually look at was I the cause of any of these struggles were the things that I was doing were there behaviors that I was uh, in were there things that I was consuming that were maybe leading to some of the depression thoughts maybe leading to some of the fear maybe leading to some of the, uh, the anxiety so I had to radically get woken up and that came through a series of events um, and number one, you know, surrendering my life to Christ, which is an incredible story of just being introduced to some amazing men, having them really, you know, speak into me and lead me and influence me for about 18 months where I was open to accepting Christ okay. in my life. Now, also another really pivotal point was when I heard two men talk on a podcast, just like you and I are here. Oh, wow. So okay. I've been a podcast consumer for, for years, man. It's, it's okay. just been, it's been a big part of my life. It's been a big part of my growth and trajectory. But in late 2018, as I was beginning to kind of explore my faith, I heard a podcast with a mentor of mine, uh, with an author, Michael John Cusick, who wrote a book called oh. Surfing for God. And in this conversation, this podcast episode was the first time I heard two grown men openly discuss their struggles and challenges with porn. Um, so it began to kind of open my eyes up to looking at some things. Like I said, I knew what I was doing and I figured every guy was doing it. I knew that my behavior was probably a little abnormal, but I never really would be like, is it an addiction? Is it something right. that's actually holding me back? But right. hearing that conversation between Michael and Vince really began to open up my eyes. And this would have been probably August, September of 2018 when I heard that podcast for the first time. So that kind of sparked me to kind of like begin to look a little bit deeper into the impact of porn on their brain. Right. Is addiction a real thing? Are there tools and resources out there for people? So I got into right. like, you know, like I'm a researcher. So I just love information, love learning, love diving deep into topics. So I went to the TED Talks. I went to, you know, your brain on porn. I was, I was, I was looking at all these different things. Um, and then, so that would have been October, November, probably. I'm beginning to kind of get a deeper understanding. Still not talking about it. Still not sharing it. Just keeping all this bottled up inside until um, a very pivotal moment came on Valentine's Day of 2019. So I have a regular group of men that I train with. Um, you know, once a week we, we, we gather at my friend's gym and we do a workout and lunch. We've been doing it for almost 18, 18 months at this point. So at every Thursday, every Thursday, every Thursday, well, Valentine's day in 2019 was a Thursday. So we went to the gym, we had to work out for whatever reason though, Sherrod, like that day I wasn't, I didn't want to go to lunch. So I'm like, Hey guys, you guys, I, I love the workout. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay back today. I'm just going to head home after this lift. One other gentleman decided to stay back there is, as well. And his name is Zach. Zach and I just hung out for a couple minutes after the workout. We're having a conversation while sitting in my car with the air conditioner on. And out of nowhere, Sherrod, he goes, he goes, Frank, I really need to tell you about these breathing exercises that I've been doing. I was like, tell me more. You know, he's like, I picked them up from Wim Hof. Um, it's really helping me harness my sexual energy. And more than anything, Frank, he's like, it's helping me stay away from porn. Now, Zach is a incredibly strong, disciplined man. He's a Marine. Um, he's a coach. Very brilliant. Have a lot of respect for him. Just out of nowhere, he's like, yeah, it's helping me stay away from porn. And I kind of like leaned in. I said, say, say that again? Like, what did you just say? He's like, yeah, man. It's like, it's helping me not watch pornography. I was like, well, why, why is that a thing? Like, now I'm kind of exploring. Like, where, where are you going with this? He's like, dude, you have no idea, man. He's like, I've been hooked on porn and addicted to it for like seven years. So bad. He's sharing me like when he was fighting for our country in Afghanistan, how he had this major problem then. And the military wasn't helping him in any way. Um, so that was really eye-opening to me. And I think Sherrod there, that was 
I truly look back at that. That was like God had his hand in that car and in that conversation. Because in that moment, I felt like this this weight being lifted. And I can't say I heard a voice, sure. but I did, I did, I did, I did feel that this is my moment. Like yeah. I've been exploring researching this. I've been looking into these things on my own. Now is the time, Frank. You're gonna either talk about this now or you're never gonna be able to to work through it. So right after Zach shared that with me, I was like, dude, I really appreciate you doing that. And I think I think this is leading me to what I was supposed to share with you here today. And I shared with him, this has been a part of my life for 20 years. I'm in this amazing relationship with this beautiful woman and it's impacting our relationship. I think I've given myself erectile dysfunction. Uh, I gotta take Viagra and Cialis just to get an erection half the time. Like, so I shared all this with him yeah. and he was like, and he was just so... Wow. openly and accepting of it. So anybody that thinks like if you open up to somebody and they're going right. to like bring shame and guilt to you, it's the last thing that's going to happen because you and I both know this is every man's battle. There's not a guy listening to this Come outside on. of maybe Tim Tebow, if he's here with us today, that hasn't struggled with right. this. We all right. have. So when you open up, you realize like, hey, you're not the only one going through this and it doesn't make you a bad person. And that's what I felt in that moment with Zach. Uh, but I made a commitment to him. I said, dude, I appreciate you doing this and I'm so ready to get this out of my life. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes. But I need two things to happen after this conversation, Zach. And number one, will you hold me accountable? Will you check in there on me regular? Will you follow up with me? Will you just be somebody I can have regular conversations with? And anybody that's got great friends and has a brotherhood knows that that is always going to be the case. So anybody looking to work through something right now, find yourself somebody to have that conversation with and find somebody that you can have real accountability with. The second, the second thing I said to Zach is, Stephanie needs to know. So Stephanie was a woman that I was in a relationship with. We were about three and a half, four years into a committed relationship, living together at the time, conversation of future had come up. Sure. Um, but I knew that if we were going to go down that route, like she needed to know the truth. She needed to know the men that she had been seeing and dating and living with for the last three years is a liar, is a fraud. And she doesn't mm -hmm. know the whole story behind him. Mm -hmm. So the acceptance of radical honesty would have been the next step. And I think that's another lesson here for men as well. It's like yeah. when, you, when you're no longer lying to yourself, you can no longer lie to the world. Um, so I wrestled with that though, Sherrod, because I had oh, about sure. a 30, I had about a 30 minute drive, uh, that day to get home. Sure. Um, and at that point the voices are in there. What are you doing? You don't need to tell her. She's not going to know. Good, yeah. You just right? forget about this conversation you had with Zach. Just go right. home and just keep watching poor man. You're doing good, dude. Like you're succeeding. You're, you're having massive success. Right. Um, so I actually didn't say anything to her the next day and it wasn't until the following morning. Um, but I walked into, you know, the, the bedroom where she was getting ready that morning. Um, laptop underneath my arm, like ready to go. Um, which was weird because she's like, what are you doing with a laptop? Like, what, what is that? So I dumped it all on her. I said, Hey, I know you know that I look at porn cause I've talked to you about it before. I've asked you if you want to watch it with me, all little signs, right? Like, you know, like addictive signs, right? Like, Hey, I do this, but do you want to do it with me? See if I could bring her into my world. Um, I said, I don't think you really understand the depth and severity of this issue with pornography. So I dumped it all out to her. Um, but what I did do is I, I told her I was committed to changing and I told her I was committed to doing this for us. Um, cause I wanted a future with her and right there in the moment, dude, like this, like this, I believe this is a very instrumental part of the story because I took that computer and it sounds more impressive when I say I ripped a computer apart with my bare hands. <laughs> But I did, but so laptops, laptops are made, they're made in two pieces. So they're actually right. made to be broken apart. Okay. Um, but it's cool. Cause I took it down the middle. I just ripped it apart. Like, so I had two laptop pieces there in my hand, but that was like, for me, that was like the, the moment like of removing the access point, right? Like right. if I was, if I was an alcoholic and I had an entire bar at home, sure. like pouring all that down is like a sign to yourself. Like you're committed to getting this out of your life. So for me, the ripping apart of the computer was the access, the entry point into pornography. So it's almost it's like deleted that part out of my life. Oh, wow. And then the next three months, man, I mean, my life changed. I mean, the wow. way that I saw the world change, the way that I saw people change, the way that I saw my place in the world changed. Wow. And this led me to launching a podcast, you know, four or five months later, which the, the original, you know, mission behind the podcast was just to put my story out into the world. Like I just thought because I was somebody that did succeed, that had chased high performance, that was a bodybuilder, that did understand psychology, that did understand personal development. I was still caught up in addiction for almost 20 years without, because I didn't know anything about it. So what about the other guys that aren't exploring getting better, that aren't exploring this toolbox of, 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 of things that were helping me in my recovery? They may, they may, they may need to hear this. So at first I started the podcast just to put my story out in the world. 
And then six, eight months goes by and it's like, we're growing, we're building an audience. We're getting recognized by Apple and new and noteworthy. Then the message became to come in like, Frank, we love what you're doing. Thank you for the conversation. Can you help me? Can you help us? We're struggling with this thing. And at first I was like, I don't think so. Like, just listen to what the podcast is telling you to do and just go action out on that. Right. But because I had an amazing group of men around me, I have an amazing community. I have an amazing brotherhood. They're like, Frank, like this is, this is something bigger than you get out of the way here because people and men need you. So that, 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 that gets us to, you know, late January, 2020, right before COVID, uh, which is when I launched rebuilt recovery, which is now, you know, become, um, you know, in my opinion, I believe we have, you know, one of the number one programs in the world to help men, uh, overcome pornography. We've had 4,000 men go through books, coaches, uh, courses and programs at this point. Um, and I've directly worked with and impacted almost 200 men in a one-on-one capacity in just the last couple of years. Man, this 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 is so spot on because I think it's it's something it's a topic that we don't touch like and we mm. kind of shared it before this uh, before we got in. It's just a topic that we don't really uh, touch. We we scratch the surface on it, but you're so vulnerable and so open about uh, talking about it, right? And um, and I think like you had that experience in the car with with uh, with the gentleman, right? Where you you mm-hmm. he, he gave you that opportunity. To kind of share, I think you have taken that and been that type of person to so many other people through your podcast, probably through your your your, your mentorship. I think it's something that people want to talk about or get healed. You know, they have those internal conflicts or those internal things, but somebody they need somebody that sparked that conversation mm. for them or, or get them to think about it. And I think what you're doing is really helping, and, and I think it, it, it needs to continue to go, right? Because there's so many men that they have it going on, right? They got it going on. They're hitting the grind. They're doing their thing in all these areas. But this may be that one area in their life that they don't know how to recover from. How do I get past it? How do I how do I get out of this? Who can I tell? Who, who, yeah. who would take me serious? Maybe the people around them uh, struggle with it as well. And so, like you said, they may just think it's norm, normal, per se. Yeah. But you have definitely opened up, I believe, uh, an opportunity for, for men to either uh, to, to deal with it, to talk about it, um, you know, to get past maybe this uh, addiction that they may have that maybe in some cases, some people may it may be hindering them in some of their progress and on, on their journey. It may be hindering them in so many places. And like you mentioned, even in our relationships, mm. you know, this this can become a problem if, it, if it's gone unchecked, it can become a problem. Yeah possibly in your in, in your relationship so I, I, just briefly i know you can't share a lot but when you're dealing with men what are some of the things that generally they come to you and respond to you and say when they're when they're asking these questions yeah absolutely man and, and Shrad, i really i really appreciate what what you said there man and you know i've i've, I've felt that same way with within myself man and i, and I don't want to come across as like i'm somebody that's like here bragging about himself sure. and is like full of himself sure. um but i think you know for me like when i you know when i looked back a couple of years ago like porn addiction like like who's 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 caught up in that and i think i think that's where a lot of people go right like oh porn addiction like what type of men are struggling with that and they think of like they think of an incel, right? Or they mm-hmm. think of like a low-level guy. He's like, you know, he's living in his mom's basement, and he's, you know, he's he's got macaroni <laughs> on his on his on his cheek, and right. you know, he's he he can't hold a job, and it's like he can't talk with women, and he's hooked on video games all day long, and he's like, he's not getting any sun, he's not physically fit. I think that's the you know that's the avatar of people when they think about a guy that can't control his porn behavior. They're thinking of. I don't want to say loser, but you, I, I, I think you. people know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And it's like no, like. Once again, I don't want to sound like I'm 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 elevating myself above things, but like look you. at me. Like I mean, like I built multiple six and seven figure businesses. I compete at a high level. Like people have told me I'm handsome. I don't know. I'm not going to say that about myself, but I've been able to date some beautiful women. You know what I mean? Like so <laughs> right. so I wanted to I wanted to smash that yeah. that that avatar and be like, "No, this is every man's problem and it doesn't matter who you are, what you've That's accomplished good. in the world. That's you good. can get caught up in struggling with this." But mm-hmm. what do I what do I see, you know, most men coming to me with I, I think if I had to dial it into one thing, it's confidence and belief mm-hmm. in and of themselves. And here's why I think that, right? Because like I said, for me it wasn't something I actually looked at trying to quit until right. I did quit. But most men today have tried and attempted and failed 
multiple times. I mean, I've talked to guys that they're on their like hundredth attempt. Well, think about when you try something, when you say, when you get done with pornography and you're sitting in that guilt and shame and you're just disgusted with what you just did and you voice out to yourself, Sherrod, this is the last time I'm doing this. Right. You're, you're better than this. You're fed up with this. You're moving beyond this. But then 48 hours later, you're sitting in the exact same place doing the exact same thing. What is happening now underneath the hood in our subconscious? You are now like you're ingraining yourself that when you say something, you do not follow through with it. That's deep. And I believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. So if there's an area of your life that you're saying you're going to do something, yet you're returning back to the previous behavior, you're conditioning yourself, you're training yourself, you're programming yourself at the subconscious level that you're not the person that, that does what he says he's going to do. That's so the good. biggest thing I see men coming to me or struggling with is the self-belief and confidence within of themselves that I actually can get beyond this. That's good. That is so good. You're right. That Wow, that's good. <laughs> so you've been able to, I'm assuming, help a lot of men with that and, and help them build. I mean, I, I know it's a struggle. Let's talk just briefly. I don't know, you know, your expertise in this. You know, we kind of talked about it, you know, men our age and the way we came up. But what do you feel? And, and you can talk as much as you feel. But what do you feel like with, with this generation now, the younger generation? And like you said, it's, it's beyond just the magazine. It's beyond just, you know, the VHS tape that you found. You know what I mean? You got to be in a special spot. You have it in your pocket. How, you know, where do you see the youth today or, or what they're going to struggle with, you know, in the future, possibly? I mean, mm. in our age and so forth, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, God, that's a big, that's a big, that's a big question there. Um, or I, is it I, the same? Or is it going to be pretty I, much the same? I think it's going to be, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to create a new problem i don't think i don't think new problems are ever created i think okay. i think humans are i think we're recycling the same problems we've always had since okay. the dawn of time i think we have new technologies and new things that that, that that can kind of accelerate the process but when i think about the young men here today um you know this is why i'm so passionate about these conversations i pass about what i'm able to do because i think i think we need to reach two people like yeah. we need to yeah. obviously be speaking to the men of our age, right? right. The, the actual men that are caught up and struggling with this to help them, A, understand like this is something that is real. You right. need to get this out of your life first, but then you need to be equipped with education and understanding of how to have the conversations with your children. Um, so I had a gentleman on the podcast uh, about a year ago, Chris McKenna. Chris runs an organization called Protect Young Eyes. Protect okay. Young Eyes, their mission is to go out to schools, churches, companies, organizations, and speak to the adults about the dangers of technology and devices with okay. their children. Okay. And one thing that, that Chris shared with me in, uh, at, at, towards the end of our podcast episode is that he believes that pornography should be the most popular word in the home. He believes kids should know what pornography is. They should know what pornography isn't. They should know what it looks like. They should be able to recognize it. And more importantly, they should know who to go to when they see it. Because I do believe that there comes a point in every young child's mind when their eyes see something that their brain is not yet developed to handle. Because the female brain develops uh, fully developed at 23, 24. The male brain is 26, 27. Well, if the access or the entry first, first time of exposure is 11, that means they're getting exposed to something when they still have another 12, 13, maybe 16 years of brain development. So their brain is seeing this. They're getting hooked on it. For them, though, because that part of the brain that isn't yet developed... It's the logic and rational part. So they're not able to detach themselves from it. If I'm seeing this, I'm just watching it as entertainment, or is this real sex education? Is this something I should be modeling and, 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 and exampling? So I'm seeing a problem with, with a lot of young men. It's like erectile dysfunction in their early 20s oh, when wow. you, should have, like, you should have thriving libido, right? right? It's because they've wired themselves and trained themselves that in order for me to get an erection, I should be a spectator sitting on the outside watching the act of sex instead of the actual act of intimacy. Mm -hmm. So what fires together wires together in our brain. This is how neuroscience works. If you constantly do a behavior that leads to an outcome, you will create that default pattern in your brain. So this is this is why we see a lot of young men that are struggling with erectile dysfunction because they're used to consuming, being a spectator to sex, not being in in, in the in the act of it. So mm -hmm. I'm not really sure if I'm answering your question no, you, you know precisely the way you wanted me to. Um, but I think those are some of the things that, that I would like to see with, uh, with the youth, right. Is getting the conversation more regular mm -hmm. at, at home, equipping the parents, um, and educators with tools and resources to understand this. 
Um, but then also knowing like that, that if we do not get in front of this, we're just going to have a, like, we're gonna have a generation of young boys that can't procreate because like, it can't get an erection with, with a real woman. And, I mean, we could go way deep down a rabbit hole here, but I think, I think that's <laughs> enough to maybe start. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, I think that, I think you were spot on what, where I was going with it. I mean, obviously nobody knows specifically what's going to happen, you know, down the line per se, you know, I'm not ex expecting you to be a, any uh, doctor of anything of that nature per se to, to know that, but what you, you, you raise my, my thought to think about that, you know, these, this is something that we do need to get ahead of. We do have to have, the conversation may have to be different than, you know, maybe the conversations our parents had with us during our time. Because it's so exposed to, you know, to our children nowadays and they have yeah. access to it. So we do have to have a, the conversation. Uh, I mean, the, you know, we still have to do what we do, but it, it changes a little bit because of the, mm. the, the frequency. You know what I mean? The frequency yeah. of what they have access to. And as you're mentioning, this is something I was not aware of. If they're having uh, struggles in their 20s or their late 20s and different things of that nature, that's a whole nother thing that we want to get ahead of. Because, of course, you know, we, we don't want anything to, to stunt their their, their, their growth, their, their, all, the, all the things that, they, that they're supposed to explore and have, we yeah. want them to have, and we don't want this to rob them of that. Yeah. Um, here's, here's one more thing I think I, think I really wanted to, to add here as well, okay. right? Um, so I don't know about you. My parents had zero conversation with me at, at home. It was not something I was Very brought good. up. Um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't even really good sex. It wasn't really great sex talk there as well. It's like you kind of figure that out on, on your own. Maybe the school had something back then. Um, but because they're getting exposed at such a young age, and like we talked about, they, the inability to detach yourself from am I watching something that isn't real? Should this not be education? So the youth is now getting their sex education yeah. from pornography. Yeah. Anybody that's been on a porn site knows that that is not the way that sex right. um, should and, and, and actually is. It's highly right. produced. You know, right. I've, I've had multiple porn stars on the podcast, so we know how the angles are set up, the lighting, all these things. We know the abusive side of things is, is, is there as well. But these young kids are getting conditioned and trained that, okay, sex and intimacy is about strangling. It's about choking. It's about oh, all these my. hardcore graphic right. things that, like, this is, this is what porn leads people to. These very... Um, hardcore abusive type of type of genre. There's there's a there's there's a story that I believe it was Clayton. So there's an organization called Fight the New Drug. Incredible organization raises awareness, non-religion, non-partisan, but they're just about educating and really bringing awareness to the dangers of porn and, 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 and trafficking. And I believe it was the founder was giving a talk um, at an event, and he shared the story of I believe they were neighbors or somebody that his family knew. So you have a young boy, 12, 13 years old. You know, he's excited because he's got his first girlfriend at school. They wanted to come over on a Friday night. He's like, Dad, I really want to have a date with so-and-so. Like, why don't we come over to the house? We'll set you guys up in the projection in the driveway. You have a drive-in movie date at right. the home. Cute thing, right? Like, harmless for, for two teenage kids to be doing that at, at home. So they set the kids up. Parents go into the house. They said, okay, we'll check on you guys about 30, 45 minutes. Just want to make sure everything's going okay with the movie. When the parents come back out to check on him, little kid is, is leaning over uh, the passenger seat he's got his hands around the girl's neck and he's choking her and they instantly grab the door they open it and they pull him out they're like Johnny 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 I don't know if that was his name but they're like what are you doing like why are you doing this to this girl and he's like I love her oh wow isn't that what I'm supposed to do oh wow so when we hear that and, and anybody that cares about people cares about the youth cares about children if, 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 if that doesn't make the hair on your arm stand up or if that doesn't make the pit in your stomach just start to boil up, then you and I are not the same. Because when I hear that, I'm like, uh, we, we definitely need to continue to have this conversation. And I need to do anything I can within my power to, A, number one, help the men of the world yes. get free from this so that we can save the youth. Because we is. will not save the youth with the majority of the men still caught up and addicted to pornography. There it is. I think what you got going, man, this is, this is good. I, you know, um, God bless you in, in, in doing this. I think you are definitely, um, you know, I am sure you, because you're in that space, you probably know so many pe other people that are doing the same thing or similar, but a lot, it's not, it's not voiced enough. So it's not so enough. No, not no, enough. we could, we could have, we could have a thousand Frank Riches in the world <laughs> right. doing this and it still wouldn't be enough. Right. So I, man, I really commend what you're doing and the work that, uh, that you're allowing the Lord to, to use you in doing. Um, so with that, uh, you know, I, you know, we could we could talk in depth for this uh, for days, really, because there's so much to unpack and un unravel. 
But what I would like for those uh, that may be listening that want to continue to, you know, maybe follow some of the things that you're sharing or connect with you in some shape or form or just, you know, know more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, um, you know, ways to connect a little bit about the podcast and or maybe some programs you may have available for for men? Absolutely, man. And, and I, I appreciate you. I appreciate today, man. And, and I think you hit it on the head, man. I, I, I try to show up um, and operate as a vessel. I'm here like this is not my message. This is not for me. Um, I truly feel, you know, when I come on these podcasts, when I turn the camera on, shoot content for YouTube or whatever it is we're doing, I try to just open up and just let the message speak through me. So I do truly feel like this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but yeah, man, anybody that wants to connect with me, you know, if you're, if you're a podcast, you know, listener, consumer, uh, we do have a, you know, we do a long form podcast. It's, 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 it's one episode a week, uh, just like this, you know, very conversational interview based show. Um, that's at the Superman life, you know, we're 140 episodes in, um, have had some of the most, you know, brilliant minds in the world. Um, some of the, you know, world's leading neuroscientists on the topics of porn, sex addiction, some of the world's leading biohackers. So the podcast is not just about pornography addiction. I really believe it's going to become the world's number one, uh, self-development podcast for men. So we talk about faith, fitness, finance, family, and freedom, um, and try to provide men with the tools to level up in those five key areas. Um, so guys, check us out on the podcast of Superman life. Um, if anybody wants to explore, you know, more of the porn related content and, and, and conversation, probably the best two places are going to be on YouTube. Um, you can find me there. It's coach Frank rich. That's the channel. Um, and then on Instagram, same, same tag coach Frank rich. Um, and any man that is like struggling with like porn and is ready to begin taking some steps. Um, uh, you can go to the seven step guide.com. Uh, we have a free book there. So it's a, it's, oh, it's a, wow. it's a free ebook, seven steps to living life, uh, without porn, where we walk you through that exact process that we've used, you know, like I said, with, with, with roughly 4,000 men now to help them begin to conquer this behavior and begin to live a porn free life. Awesome. All right. Before we get out of here, I always have some random question. Um, and so for you, I'm going to ask you, uh, just very basic here. What are three, uh, individuals in the Bible that you, you either like or relate to? that you can share with us and why? Great question, man. Well, obviously, I think it's got to be number one, Jesus, right? Um, any, any any Christian believer that doesn't put him number one, it's like, uh, maybe maybe go back and read that. Read, read it read it again. Um, I would say I would say Jesus. Um, interesting, man. I think this is gonna, uh, probably going to be a different answer than what you would n- normally get. So I've only been a Christian for almost four years now, okay. so I'm still okay. very early in my understanding sure. Sure. of the Bible. I have spent a lot of time in Genesis, okay. though, in the early stories yeah. of Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after Jesus, I would probably say Adam. Okay. I think because I think Adam is 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 the fall of all man, right? Um, <laughs> you know, I think that that God gives clear directions right. into what it means to be a man right then and there, um, and He also gives a lot of warnings that I wasn't uh, able to see, um, and I've gone down the path of making some of those mistakes. So Jesus, Adam. Um, and probably Samson, you know, because okay. he was big and built and, um, you know, just strong and, 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 and very powerful. Um, but at the same time, like struggled with uh, his, his, his lust and desires as well. So, awesome. Well, Frank, man, thank you so much for showing up and thank you so much for being on our, our program today. Um, I think this was a very good conversation. If nothing less, um, uh, I mean, if, if nothing less, it definitely... Uh, got somebody thinking, right? Somebody who needed that conversation, needed that car conversation today. I think with someone listening today, hopefully they'll have that moment and, and you know, take the appropriate steps if necessary uh, to, to uh, recover uh, from that if, if that's the case. So, man, really appreciate you. Love what you're doing. Love your work. Uh, we'll continue to uh, follow you and, and continue to see, you know, more of what um, God is going to use you to do with this. Um, it's just a great thing and a great timing for it um, in these in, in these days now. I think it's definitely necessary uh, that we have these conversations. So with that being said, until the next time, this is Sherrod and this is Behind the Grind.